Welcome and thank you for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu at Ko'olau. One of the central characters in the Jesus story was his mother, Mary. Why her? Today we'll learn why and we'll also find out what we have in common with Mary. Here's First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun with the sermon, You Have Found Favor with God. So we continue our series on women in the Bible, Grit and Grace, and throughout the summer, our pastors select a sermon to preach on, uh, select one of the women to highlight, and I've chosen to preach four times on Mary, the mother of Jesus. So you'll be hearing about Mary for this Sunday and the next Sunday. Then I take a group of adults and youth and some staff to Stafford, England for an important soul survivor conference on the Holy Spirit. Then I'll return to finish with two more sermons on Mary. Uh, before we get into the fall uh, series. So Mary clearly is one of the most important women in the Bible and in the history of humankind as she was the mother of Jesus. And her faith and her grit and her grace, her tenacity, her endurance, wow, what a model for us all. Hence, four talks, but I believe what we will learn about her can help us immensely understand how God loves us and indeed He is saying to us all in some way that, yes, you have found favor with him. And that's a tremendous blessing. So for our first passage about Mary that we'll be studying this morning, we are going to look at what she learned, uh, looked at when she learned she was going to give birth to Jesus. So please stand, if you're able, as we hear the word of God. Luke chapter 1, beginning in the 26th verse. In the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Please be seated. 
Obviously, it's supernatural that Mary would be the mother of the Messiah. No other human in history would have that role. She is special. She is holy. Roman Catholics would say she was born without sin, the immaculate conception, as they call it, since she gave birth to Jesus and Jesus could have no sin. Now, I'm not sure about that, but no argument from me that she is extraordinarily chosen by God the Father as the one to give birth to the Son, Jesus. She was highly, highly favored as the chosen one to give birth to the chosen one. But my first point is this. As the angel Gabriel said to her that she was highly favored, and as much as she is special and highly favored, I believe in the deepest part of my soul that you are all highly favored. Not in the unique way Mary was, but still in a very big way. At any moment, God might call upon you for a unique purpose because you are highly favored. But maybe you have not realized it until this morning. Twice, the angel Gabriel says to Mary in our passage, you are highly favored, almost as if she couldn't believe it and needed to hear it a second time. And I think for most of us, this is hard to believe that about ourselves. It might be because of how we were brought up. Just going to school can be tough as we are often criticized. Our self-esteem may have been broken down by a parent or a coach or by a teacher or even mean classmates. A lot of bullying happening in school today. That's why movies like Mean Girls uh, was made. And maybe we have heard more than our share of criticism that, and make the list, that we're not smart enough or pretty enough or uh, handsome enough or accomplished enough or athletic enough or um, smart enough. And God says to us, though, that we were chosen. When at a young age, we were all lined up, you know, to play kickball and you pick teams, God picked us to be on his team. We know that God gave up his son for us because we are valuable. And perhaps God called you to be with us today, this morning, in this room, to hear God saying to us these powerful words of affirmation, you are highly favored. And maybe he has sent you in the past some angel in some form, maybe it was a friend or a mentor, to say you're highly favored. But maybe you just didn't listen to it. And maybe recently you've been beaten up and you don't think very highly of yourself right now. Maybe you said the wrong thing or did the wrong thing and you're here today and God might have a word for you. Maybe we have filters that we have built up over the years, so it's hard to take a compliment, let alone hear God say, you are highly favored. But his belief and love for you is constant. It's in the air. God is sending us those transmissions, and maybe the antenna of our soul hasn't been tuned right to hear those words of affirmation and truth from God. We might even be saying to ourselves, um, Okay, got it, Mary was highly favored, but why am I? There's no evidence of that in the Bible. Al contraire, we'll see. So, 1 Peter 2.9, here's a verse. 
but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. God chose you. You are highly, highly favored. Now, there may be a little voice in you saying, ah, uh, okay. Um, he's kind of like talking to a lot of people right there. Nothing special for me as an individual. Yes, Jesus often talked to people as a group, but he also talked a lot to us as individuals. He cares about each of us as individuals. Remember Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew in the 10th chapter, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your care. See how he looks at everything individually? Even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. He knows exactly how much hair you have. Some 42, some 420. Okay, so, so don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. It was Jesus saying you are highly, highly valuable, highly favored. He said in Luke chapter 11, so I say to you, ask it and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. See, very individual. You all have different prayer requests. For everyone who asks receives. Those who seek find. And to those who knock, the door will be opened. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So God is a kind Father who loves and desires to give good gifts. It was Jesus who told us from the very beginning when we were just children that we were so valuable that he provided a kingdom for us and he called children to himself for this kingdom. Remember he said in Gospel of Luke, 18th chapter, let the children come to me, do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. So, Mary, first, questions all of what the angel says to her. How could she be so favored? How could she give birth? Because she's a virgin. Impossible. And she believes that she's a lowly person, She's like a teenager. She might be 13, 14, around there, 15. Um, as an aside, if there are teenagers in the house, please note that, that time and time again, when God calls people to great things, he calls teenagers. He called David as a teenager that he would be king and, and marry here, and then Joseph would eventually save his whole family and create a nation um, out of Egypt. So, teenagers, youth. Don't be deaf ear. Listen for his voice. For youth or adults who could have deaf ear, once we let God in our lives, the impossible becomes the possible, and our weak hearts become strong, so strong that we can have grit. And we have grace for others because we have been blessed and favored way beyond our merits, and we can be ready now for any mission from God. You know, often people quote the verse, uh, Romans 8, 28, especially when things don't go right in our lives. You remember the verse? It says this, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Now, often we read this to a friend who is going through a tough time. 
basically to say, hey, hang in there. Even these bad things will work for good someday. I'm not saying that's bad to encourage your friends using this verse. True, it's good. But I want to look at verses like this for when things are like normal or like really good things are happening and not only when bad things are happening. That God is working all of these good things in your life right now and he wants you to use it for his purpose. It's not just for you or, your, or to get your own accolades uh, or build up your pride, but it's using the good for God, for others. So God is not just using the bad things in your life for good, but he directed and orchestrated, think of this, all the good things in your life, and only now when maybe you're a bit older or you're just more aware, it's all starting to make sense for you are highly favored. So I, I pray that you're gonna take some time this week and just think about all the good things that have happened in your life and, and how God orchestrated those and how those little incidents or events have made who you are today and you can use that for God's purposes. And these good circumstances were not random like, you know, random stars or planets, but it's part of a solar system that God was designing like a divine astronomer so that you are as ornate as a starry, starry night of a constellation that all fits together like Orion. Every good event in your past, God orchestrated it, directed it, so that all things work for good. Now, let me give you a personal example. Because all these scattered things in my life somehow fit together like a jigsaw puzzle piece. For all of my lower school education up through high school, I was incredibly shy. And I would be so nervous doing public speaking. Then in my sophomore year, I had to do some public speaking for a class. It went so well, I was invited to join some kind of public speaking team. It was a big encouragement, but... I said no. I was petrified. I was not highly favored in public speaking. I was one of those, I don't know about you, but I was afraid to raise my hand in class or even worried that I would be called on in class to answer a teacher's question. Super scared. In college, I love being part of a, a new radio station that they just built, and I love media. I love the creative energy of making commercials and radio dramas, and, and I would uh, not speak, but I'd run the dials. But later, I became a radio disc jockey and did a Christian radio show on the campus station. In fact, I called my show, don't laugh, The Apostles' Odyssey. And I actually would say, here's the tagline when I'd begin the show, I'd say, this is the apostle leading you on a journey of folk, rock, and pop music all tuned to Jesus Christ. I even did the proverbial disc jockey voice. I was part of the Jesus revolution in college. I was like major Jesus freak. But I was unseen as a disc jockey. I, because so it's safe in public. I'm super shy still. Even today, don't ask me to do karaoke with you. Don't cry for me, Argentina. <laughs> Who said, ah, oh, was that you, Patty? Okay. So, but then after college, because I love media, um, I looked for a job. I went to every single TV or radio station in Honolulu trying to find a job. No luck. The only station left to ask for a job was the number one KGMB TV station that had can you believe this? 52% of the viewing audience for its news show. 
So I figured, uh, it was number one, so I'm not gonna have any chance. But I went in, and by God's grace, uh, Bob Seavey, the news director, was free. I had an interview with him. And by the end of the interview, he offered me a job. And I thought, wow, I'm gonna be a TV news reporter. Then my second thought was, what was I thinking? (laughs) Now I had to appear on camera live or on a recorded film story every day. Me, who got scared and major butterflies speaking in front of people. As a TV news reporter though, I learned to research a topic quickly, find the nuggets of important truth, concisely write it up, and propose the, uh, present the main points. So if a new 100-page Department of Education report just came in at 2 o'clock, four hours before Deuce show, I had to read it, find the nuggets of truth, critical stuff the viewers needed to know, write it up in a report in a way people would understand, write it for the ear, not for the eye, which is a total different way of writing, and then work with an editor to cut the film to match my voice, and then at 6 p.m. when the red light goes on, be calm and collected and accurate and concise. Don't stutter in giving the report. And uh, even today, when I hear the theme song of KGMB, I get, like, scared. (laughs) You know, I can't sing it. One of the good things about Hawaii is KGMB. Okay, so, but you see, everything I learned at KGMB, God had me use it for good. What, what do I do today as your pastor? I have to read many thick commentaries, research for sermons from which I have to take the nuggets of truth and then apply them in a practical way for the audience and write up a script for the ear, not the eye, and when the service begins, I have to be calm. And truly, I am calm because after three years of being on camera at KGMB in front of 150,000 people in the TV audience, public speaking to hundreds is easier for me. Um, All things directed by God in the past worked together for good. Later, um, after I became your senior pastor, uh, I spoke for Promise Keepers, in sta- for th- four years in stadiums of like 50,000 men. And I was calm because in my mind, I kept thinking, ah, smaller than 150,000, I can do this. Uh, but that helped me. Also, KGB taught me to be very analytical of research, and I learned to question for the truth, to try to be like a lawyer, and uh, which helped me write better sermons and try to ask the questions that a listener would ask and make sure that's in the sermon. And while a TV news reporter, I got to do stories on Jimmy Carter and the Watergate trials and actor Jerry Lewis, the Queen of England, who is, that's an interesting story how I offended her, and um, (laughs) Emmy Award winner Bob Eubanks, host of the Newlywed Game, and many local political and community leaders that all was part of my grooming for being comfortable with people. All things directed by God for good. And there are bound to be things like that in your lives. I mean, it made me stronger. So now I'm, I'm ready for big international events, like interviewing the South Vietnamese premier, uh, Win Cao Ki of uh, Vietnam after uh, Viet- South Vietnam fell. Or I was there at uh, Hickam Air Force Base when our POWs uh, returned from South Vietnam. And only God knew that decades later, I would become the pastor of two of those POWs who walked off the plane at Hickam that night. It was uh, Jim Hickerson and uh, Jerry Coffey, uh, who are members of our church today. Um, and 
Again, all things work together for good. It gave me strength and experience to not be rattled meeting important people like Jim and Jerry, uh, and to be ready for big national events that were to come later in life. Like when Roz and I were asked to produce, and I was asked to speak at the live telecast of statewide services in response to 9-11, after that horrible event happened at the World Trade Center. And I was, um, I was ready because of the big events and the experience God prepared me for. All things work together for good. And then I went to USC Film School, and I learned filmmaking, which I still use in our church today, making films with, uh, and videos with, uh, with uh, Dave and Shana Kutsumoto, uh, including the campus tour, where I am the host of it as a Jedi Knight, uh, as an homage to George Lucas, who came out of film school. Um, but my USC film classes taught me about lighting and sound, which are very important to understand if you are have a big campus or you have a satellite campus. The business of filmmaking and making a budget that I learned uh, all played a big part of my understanding how to run budgets for here. When I went to Menlo Park, uh, I was in Silicon Valley and that was when Apple was there and, and um, tech firms like Hewlett Packard and I learned about how they did management in an excellent way and innovation for ministry, how to know how to risk responsibly uh, uh, watching companies fold or flourish, how to analyze the future, uh, listen and learn from venture capitalists there. So just exposed to a lot of managers, visionaries, and entrepreneurs. It was there that we designed a singles ministry that in three years a balloon and blossomed to 3,000 people and a Hewlett Packard executive mentored me and today he's still on my HIM board. And later his daughter, Robin Langdon, worked for us, became ordained at our church. She launched a ministry of the Holy Spirit that still grows today. All things work together for good. And I think the thing, singles trusted me because I had been a single twice due to a painful divorce in seminary. And they knew I felt their pain and they trusted me when I spoke of a future in Jesus. Again, all those things, good and bad, work together for good. Um, and I would say that when I started HIM, it was because I had a real diverse religious path. Uh, first, I was not raised in a church, so I didn't go to church when I was young. So part of the way I present the gospel, I try to present it to people like me who didn't grow up in church and didn't know all of the churches. Um, but I went to, around age 13, I went to a congregational church and then to Episcopalian church, got baptized there, then went to a conservative Baptist church who told me I had to be baptized again because the first one didn't count, then a Presbyterian church who was into sprinkling, not dunking, and then an evangelical free church, then an evangelical covenant church, back to the Presbyterian church, and then I married a Catholic. I was getting ready for ecumenical work with Hawaiian Islands Ministries, where now we have 400 churches and 40 denominations coming, and I try to be sensitive to everybody. It was out of the hymn speakers who always come through our church that remember Bruce Wilkinson spoke here, and that preaching affected Heidi Lum, who then started a whole new nonprofit called Advocates for Africa's Children, and many of our members, like Al Casina and Ann and Rick Walkinshaw, Susan and Jerry Coffey, got involved in a ministry called Hearts for Africa, which Bruce talked about, and Africa is a big part of our ministry now. So... Um, I'd learn how big ideas and big expense 
don't worry me because I've seen time and time again God respond miraculously. Like the Israelites, I've seen God part the Red Sea. I've seen him part the Jordan River. I've seen people get healed physically and emotionally. I've seen conversions. And so we have learned to think big. We can raise our sails and hope for the best. I've seen 800 people miraculously come forward for baptism or renewal of baptismal vows in just the last five years. I've seen big deficits uh, disappear by the end of the year. So for, for Mary, she was saying she was highly favored. She would see miraculous things happen due to God. And in retrospect, when you know you're highly favored, when you know that God is leading you every day, directing people or events in your life who, who made major differences, and you can see his hand in your life, that's the real basis of grit and grace. That's the foundation of your strength of grit because you know you are highly favored. And that's the basis of grace because you know you don't deserve to be highly favored, but it's grace. God has reached down and chosen you. And being chosen is super important. I have two um, nieces who were adopted from China. And they are wonderful young women now, one a teenager, one a college student. By God's grace, they were chosen by their parents, no merit of their own. And both were chosen even though their earthly parents abandoned them. And one had a severe illness later. Both of them have been blessed with a great education and a future and a hope for a better life than poverty. And for you and me, we have been, may I remind us, have been adopted by God the Heavenly Father through no merit of your own, pure grace that we have been highly favored by God and he took us out of a life of poverty of an earthly father, the prince of darkness, Satan's here, and gave us a life with, with Jesus. In, in the Bible, in a book written by the Apostle Paul, he tells us that we were all adopted for we have found favor by God. And it's found in the first uh, chapter in a letter to the church in Ephesus, great theology. And um, this is what Paul wrote. But before I read it, take note of how the whole adoption theme is played over and over again, how, how God is a parent who purchases us and chooses us for a love that we don't deserve and highly favors us due to his grace. As you know, in earthly adoptions, um, it costs tens of thousands of dollars to adopt a child from an agency. So with your adoption glasses on, see these words about God's relationship with us. In verse four, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. In him, we were also chosen, uh, going to verse 11, being predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity, love that word, with the purpose of his will. 
And then to verse 14. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. When one is adopted, not only has the adoption occurred at great financial costs, tens of thousands of dollars, but the adopted child receives an inheritance after the parents die so that the parents, even in their death, loves and supports the child they have chosen. Imagine God, the heavenly father, chooses us, adopts us, pays for us with the death of his son, and gives us inheritance here and in heaven. And our father, like a good loving parent, does everything he can to bless us and guide us and nurture us here on earth. He's not a helicopter parent who is over-controlling. No, he lets us skin our knees, mess up, even sin, though that's not his desire. But he forgives us when we do mess up. And he has such a big heart that he tells us, could you tell all your friends that he's willing to adopt them too and give them an inheritance also? So you can't read the Apostle Paul's letters to not see this adoption theme is strong and over and over and again, the word chosen, that we are chosen. And when someone is chosen, it means you have found favor with the chooser. And once you realize that, we should be grateful. And we have strength for the times we've lost a loved one or have financial problems or an illness or rejection. God chose you. And once you realize that, we want to do God's will. We, we want to tell others. We couldn't build a, a big enough door to keep people out if they knew how favored they are in God's eyes. And we will extend more of the character of God. When it finally hits Mary that indeed she has been chosen by God, and not just chosen, but chosen for a mighty role, the bearer of his son, then she begins to understand more and more about the character of God. And we see this in the famous song of Mary uh, that she sings later in this chapter, in um, chapter one in Luke. When you hear the first line, you'll see why it's often called the Magnificat, as she talks about her soul magnifies or glorifies this magnificent God. And as I read it, hear now all of the characteristics of God that she lists them in this chapter one, beginning with verse 46. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. And holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones, lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away. For he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants. So did you hear what she sang? I mean, if you were to list all of the characteristics that she discovered as the Holy Spirit came upon her and she experienced God's adoption, his choosing her, 
She said, God looked on favor on her even though she is low. He has shown strength with his arm. He scatters the proud before us. He lifts up the lowly. He fills the hungry with good things. And then in that great verse of 49, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Mary was an amazing woman. And I'll unpack her greatness even more in the next three sermons I'll be speaking on. Today's just the beginning, but, but I want to close with this. Our theme is grit and grace, and we're going to find out more and more of how wonderful and tremendous this woman, Mary, was. How as a young teenager, she took the mantle of responsibility of bearing and nurturing the Messiah. How her giving birth to this royal child was hard. How soon after his birth, people came to murder her. But time and time again, she showed tremendous grit. So stay tuned for this. But it's really more about receiving the grace of God. And the essence of God's grace is that every day he is saying, you have found favor with him. He loves you and has adopted you and has an inheritance waiting for you. And you can have tremendous self-esteem in God. And you can have tremendous courage to fight evil. For God has chosen you and you have his favor. Now as Roz and Joy come up, it would be fitting that we close with a rendition of Mary's song. But when the chorus comes up, as it emphasizes that great verse, for the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name, I ask you to open up all of your heart and sing that chorus with joy. Holy is his name. And I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit will fall upon you in a unique way where you experience during the song that you are favored. He offers you strength today. If you've lost a loved one, or you're facing trials, or you need forgiveness, or actually you need to give somebody forgiveness. When God calls us to do the impossible, like with Mary, we learn more of what God is like and we can grow in intimacy um, with him. So praise him and worship for what he has done for he has done great things for you. Holy is his name. I'm going to ask you to feel free to just close your eyes as joy begins singing. And that when it comes to the chorus, you know, sing with her. And maybe at that point, you might, as the Quakers used to, just open your hands like this during the song to receive. Or when you get to holy is his name, just raise your hand to say holy is his name. So I ask, come Holy Spirit, come. Fall upon our people. And may we sing fervently and clearly that holy is your name. Amen. If you felt the Holy Spirit doing something in your heart, so I, I pray that uh, you'll come up for prayer after the service ends, after my benediction. And that there'll be the prayer team in front of the cross and in front of the choir risers. And times like these, it's just wonderful to seal it before the Lord. And he knows what you're going through. And as I've told you before, that... Often when Pam and I travel, if anybody says, you want to come forward for prayer, we always go forward uh, because it's always, we feel the Lord right then and it's a, a special experience. So I encourage you to do that after my blessing. And now here's the benediction. Please stand for it. May the Lord bless you and keep you and may his face shine upon you and his countenance be upon you. And may you know deep in your heart the wonderful love and grace of God the Father and the Son 
and the Holy Spirit. And may you live a life knowing that you are highly favored and holy is his name. In Christ's name, amen. God bless. Have a good day. Mary was special because she was chosen for a very specific task. In God's eyes, you are special too. We all are. We just have to be aware and obedient to what God's plan is for us. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Pres website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us at one of our worship services on campus at 45550 Ki'onaole Road, Kaneohe, Hawaii, 96744. We meet Sunday mornings at 8, 930, and 1111. Follow First Prez on Twitter and Facebook. Download the brand new First Prez app. Watch First Prez sermon videos on our website and on Facebook. If you need more, call us at 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you and thank you for listening. Copyright 2019, produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu at Ko'olau.